Well, good morning. I'll explain this later. So, I'm not bragging or anything. Anything, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but yeah, I'll, I'm going to explain that. Um, man, I'm so glad you guys are here. I hope you've enjoyed um, this series. We've got a couple of weeks left of it. Um, I hope you've had a chance to connect with one of the small groups. Um, if not, it's not too late. Please connect. I know um, both of them didn't meet this week. The young adults did, and so um, they'll be meeting this week. So please get connected with that um, as we continue on. If you never got a book, if you never got a, um, a study guide, there's still some back there that you can have and everything. But I'm, I'm excited about this and, and where we're leading because we're getting more and more into the meat of this. We're getting more and more into... Um, what, what's going on w- with everything. And, and so this morning, um, we're moving on to um, you are called to become. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't have them, like I said, we have them always available. You can always sign into our Wi-Fi GBC guest. Just type in find more, all lower caps, and, and you can connect there uh, and everything. But as always and forever, um, these are the only words that matter. Um, I, I am humbled every week and every Sunday that I get a chance to get up and just present this to you and proclaim these words to you um, because and these are the words that change everything. They always have, they, they always will. Um, you know, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. Th- this is forever stuff. And so if you would, if you would just stand with me in acknowledgement of those. As we open the Bibles, we read in Hebrews <coughs> chapter 1, starting at verse 1, the author of Hebrews writes this. He says, therefore... Since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. You pray with me. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity once again just to open your word, to be with your people, your family, but most of all to be in your presence. God, I thank you that we didn't have to do any special ritual or beg or plead. God, that you were here waiting for us this morning. And so, Father, I just simply ask this morning that you would speak, that these words would be your words, not mine. God, that you would just penetrate the hearts penetrate the lives god and father just do what needs to be done today in everyone's heart in the life of this church god i pray for ears to hear for hearts to respond god i pray to be encouraged today to be challenged god i pray to be changed today now we would be different because we were in your presence this morning so father let your glory fall fill this place And have your way this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we've been kind of going through these all these things that you're called. In, in the past years ago, it was called the 40 Days of Purpose. I like how it's changed, uh, this idea of living your calling. That every one of us has some kind of calling on our life. We, we each do. And, and so this morning, we're going to kind of jump to our next one. And it's, it's called to become. If you have your Bibles, flip over, keep your fingers in Hebrew, but flip over to Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8, 28 and 29, we are very familiar with these verses. Paul writes this. 
that was the wrong page. Pastor needs new glasses. All right, there we are. All right. Verse 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to purpose. We all know that, and we love that verse. And we we claim that verse, and and we trust that verse. But 29 is the answer of what the good is that he's called us and and he's going to do for us. Look at verse 29. It says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I, I love that verse, and I love the promise of it. And as I said, in the very beginning, we were talked about that we were called to be loved. We, we were called to love and to be loved, that God loves us no matter what. God just perfectly and absolutely loves us. And because of that, we worship. And because of that, we respond to that love. And then last week, we talked about calling to be, we were called to belong. We were called to be along part of God's family, be, along, be part of his local church, be part of this group, this family, this organism that grows. Not an organization. I think that's the problem. Most people look at churches and stuff today and think it as an organization, but it's not an organization. It's a living, breathing organism matched up of all different parts. But this morning, the third calling that we're going to do is as you and I are called to become like Christ. If anyone ever asks you, what's the goal of the Christian faith? What's the goal of Christian life? So many people will say, well, it's to get to heaven. It's not the goal. The goal of faith in Christ is to become just like him. That's what it says in Romans 8, 29, that we are predestined, that we were chosen, that God's working in the good, that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. And so the question this morning is, how do we do that? What's that look like? And how do we get to become the person that God has called us to be? And I think it's really, really interesting that five times in the New Testament, the idea of discipleship or growth or, or growing and becoming more like Christ is kind of put to the picture of running a race. Five times it's saying that it's, it's like running a race. And, and there are eight principles this morning I want to give you about that, about running a race and, and, and completing and becoming everything that God has called us to do. Because we are on a marathon to maturity. It is not a sprint. As we'll discuss, it's not something that quickly happens or something that happens overnight. It is a marathon, and anybody that's done any running understands that a marathon takes a lot of time, not only to finish, but to get ready for and everything. And so there are eight things that I want us to know. And so the very first one I want you to know is that if you want to complete this marathon, if you actually want to become who God has called you to be, who God has created you to be, to become the image of Christ, the very first thing we need to do is we need to start simplifying our lives. That sounds nice, doesn't it? For those of us that are really, really busy, just simplify our lives. Just sit there and watch football and, and do everything. Like yesterday was like the first day my wife came out. She's like, what are you doing? I'm watching football. I got to watch three games. It was amazing. That's not what I'm talking about, simplifying your life. I'm not talking about not doing anything, but I'm saying I think we add so many other stuff on it. Look back at Hebrews 12. Look back at first 1. He says, therefore, since we have also such a great, such a large cloud of witness surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance, the sin that so easily entangles us, ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. I love, first of all, he says, therefore, and my professor always in Bible college and everywhere says, whenever there's a therefore, you have to find out what it's there for. If you go back one chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, it's the great hall of faith. It's all these people that have gone on before that has done just exactly what we're talking about this morning, that have lived their lives, that have completed their race and have done and become exactly who God wanted them to be. 
everything. And so understand that we, this morning, as a church and as a people, we are standing on the shoulders of everyone that's come before us. And so for anybody to say, it's too hard to live the life that God wants me, it's too hard, it's been done before. You're not alone in that. And stuff. And so we're called to simplify. We're, we're called to start taking the things off that weighed us down and everything. He, he says, lay aside every hindrance on us, everything that weighs us down. When I was in the army years and years ago, um, we, I was in a unit that was kind of called a rapid deployment force. Now, everyone's rapid deployment, but it meant that I always had a go bag, always had this thing, and we were always mobile. And the thing we know about in the Army, I have guys coming to me today, it's like, I'm going to be a medic in the Army. I'm going to be like a clerk and stuff. I said, no, everyone in the Army, when it gets down to it, is an infantryman. Because <laughs> when the bullets start flying and everything, even the chaplains, everyone, you are on the ground pounding. And you were walking. And so we, because we were rapid deployment force, uh, once a quarter, we would have to go and march 12 miles in three hours. And you had to complete that to stay certified. Every, every quarter you had to go and do. Except for us, I had a rucksack on my back with like 50 pounds worth of gear, a bunch of ammos, and like a machine gun and all this other stuff. That was the hardest thing in the world. I remember the first time I did it without that, man, easy. It was no problem. But for so many of us, we go through life in our Christian faith and we add so much stuff upon us and add all these other things and they just seem to weigh us down. I can't imagine. I've had the opportunity to run a few half marathons and to do all that. I couldn't imagine having to do that if I was carrying somebody. Me show up to Disney last year and say, I'm ready for my half marathon. Oh, let me get all these bricks and put them in a bag and carry them and, and, and run 13 miles. I wouldn't have made it like two miles. And yet we do that. And so he's saying anything that hinders us, anything that, that weighs us down, this extra load, all this extra stuff. And in the New Testament, they understand this because that's what the Pharisees were doing. Pharisees would say, here's the law and this and this and this and this. And they would add all that stuff on. And so often we get stuck in our traditions and our history and our baggage that we just can't even walk. So my first question for you this morning is, is, what's hindering you from becoming everything that God has created you to be? What habits in your life, what, what things are you not doing, what things are you doing? Um, the sins, he says. He says, lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. We need to take a spiritual inventory. We need to take a moral inventory. Is there something in our life, are there things that we're doing that there is God's way and there is my way? That's it, folks. I do not believe in gray areas. And we live in a culture of gray areas. We live in a world that says, well, there's gray. This may not be so bad. No, there is God's way and there is our way. And that's final. And if we're doing it our way, it's going to ensnare us. It's going to entangle us. And it leads, to, it leads to chains. It leads to burdens. It leads to imprisonment. We do it God's way. It leads to freedom. And we can do what we're called to do. And so I encourage you, I challenge you to go. <coughs> excuse me, to go and take a moral inventory, say, what am I doing that doesn't line up with God's way? And if you want to know God's way, here's the perfect way to know, right here. Everything you need to know about God and living for him and living the life he's called you to do is in these pages. I don't understand why we don't take time to learn this. Don't listen to a pastor. Don't listen to a podcast. Read it for yourself. Study it for yourself. Take an inventory. I dare you to pray the prayer. Lord, search my heart. 
If there's anything in me that is not with you, show me. I dare you. That's a scary prayer. Last thing he says is run the race. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Run your race, not somebody else's. So often we get wrapped up and get expectations of what, like in my job or in my relationships and all this stuff, and we're running other people's races. God has set a course right before you. Run your race and not everybody else's race. Let's simplify a little bit. Let's get rid of the dead weight. Let's get rid of the stuff that we don't need so that we can go through and keep going and moving in the direction that God wants us to do. So that's the first one. <coughs> the second one is, you know what? You've got to pace yourself. Don't get in a hurry. Look at the second part of that verse 1. He says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Again, this is a long-term process. No one, no one is going to like meet Christ, make that decision to follow him, and then the next day be like the perfect Christian. It doesn't happen like that. The good news this morning is that the moment that I accept Christ, in God's eyes, I'm perfect. The bad news is it's going to take the rest of my life for the rest of me to catch up to what God already knows. You got to pace yourself. You, you, you got to understand that there are times when it's going to be hard. There's going to be times when it's going to be easy. There's going to be times when I'm going to understand. There's going to be times when I'm going to be confused. But I pace myself and I don't get upset with myself. I'm like, why am I not like that person? Or why am I not like this person? It is a lifelong process. It is a daily process. And so we pace ourselves. Don't get in a hurry. God's timing is always on time. The things that you need to understand, the things that you need to know, the things you need to be able to do, God will give you those right at the perfect time. Don't get in a hurry. It's not instant. The idea of becoming where we hear that over and over in the, in the New Testament, becoming like Christ, becoming more like Christ, becoming this, is the idea of a progression. That it happens step by step by step by step that we grow and that we keep working on it. I said I, I like to run. When it's done, I don't like to run like while it's happening, but I, I like to run. And I do a thing where I run for like 30 seconds, and then I walk for 30 seconds, and then I run for 30 seconds. I'm never going to win a marathon. In my heart, I may believe I'm a Kenyan <laughs> that can run marathons, just fly by, and people are flying by me. But I, all I want to do is finish the race and understand that if I go out and sprint it all out in the beginning, they're going to be picking me up in a van halfway through. Now, I'm not saying don't be excited about your faith. I'm not saying about, like, passion and all that stuff. I'm just saying we, we have to pace ourselves. One of the worst things we used to do is some celebrity would accept Jesus in the next week, and we're like, hey, can, you, can we get you up here to speak and tell about Jesus and, and, and do all this stuff when they had no idea what that meant in their lives? I, I remember this because I, I'm aging myself. Did anybody remember um, Little Richard? Little Richard was amazing. Little Richard accepted Christ and immediately accepted Christ. All these like people were grabbing him like, hey, we want you to come and speak and stuff. No one took the time to disciple Little Richard. And he had struggled with it later on. I say, I believe God has great plans for all of us. It may not be up in front of thousands and thousands of people. It may not be doing some miraculous work. Or, 
but God has a plan for us. And so we take our time. One, one of the greatest things that, you know, I've ever heard and I love, and I'm not into rap music all that much. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good old boy and stuff. I like all music. There's some, but the guy Lecrae, it's, a, it's amazing stuff. If you ever just listen to his lyrics and everything, when he accepted Christ, he took a year before he ever wrote a song. He says, I want to know everything there is to know about my faith in Christ and before he ever wrote a lyric. And I can tell you right now, there's not many more theologically correct me message in music than his music right now. It's amazing. Pace yourself. Let God do the work and keep moving on. Don't, don't get in a hurry. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You want to finish well? That's a daily process. That's a daily process. So the third thing then is this just seems obvious. Spend time daily focusing on Jesus. Take time every single day to focus on Jesus. Because the truth is, is we become like who we spend time with. Whoever you're hanging out with, this idea that like if I'm more spiritual and everything that I'm going to pull off that, that's why I always hated like um, missionary dating. They called it when I was like a kid, like, hey, I'm going to go date like the worst person in the world and my testimony is going to pull them up. Never happened. It always pulled me down. If I spent more time with people, then I spend more time with Jesus. If I spend more time, if I, I become like them. When I was in college my first year, like I said, I'm a good old country boy. My family was born in Plant City. I'm related to everybody like in Bartow and Plant City somehow. I dated a cousin without even knowing it one time. It's just I know everyone. And so but I mean, it's a bunch of rednecks out there. That's my family. And they all talk like this. Come on, son, let's do it. Woohoo. You know, I live with a kid from New York for a semester my first year in college. And so I started talking like this. And so my grandmother called me and like, hey, grandma, how you doing? She's like, son, you're from the South. Fix that now. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Whatever you say, ma'am. <laughs> we become who we, we become like who we hang out with. Look at verse 2. Look at what he says. He says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the God. I love it. says, keep our eyes on Jesus. Listen, if your eyes are not on Jesus every day, you are never going to look like him. And worse than that, you're going to miss him when he shows up. We have to become familiar with him. We have to be in his presence daily. And we don't have to do that just in a church setting, singing some songs. It needs to be every day. And when we do that, we change from the inside out. God does a work in us when we are taking time to have devotions and stuff. And if you're struggling with that, listen, download you version. They're all set there. They'll give you reminders. They'll make you to find a partner. Or somebody says, listen, I need to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to download this you version. I'm going to make you my accountability partner that I did, that I've done it. And do it on your tablet. Do it on your phone. Find, find a passage. Start reading the Gospels and just read them over and over and over again. Just start, start somewhere and spend some time with Jesus. That's not only reading, but it's also shutting up and listening to what he has to say to you. But spend time with Jesus every day, and it will change everything. Think about, it. remember Moses? Man, Moses went into God's presence, and what happened? His face glowed. It was evident that he was in his presence. Can I t ask you this morning, when you show up to work or you show up in your neighborhood, does anybody see the evidence of you being in the presence of God? 
because that's what we're called to do. It's we're, we're commanded to do. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul writes this, We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Listen, I know when I haven't taken the time to really just spend time praying and talking to God every single day. I had kind of a crazy scheduled week and stuff with doctor's appointments. I had to go to the doctor and everything. And when the VA says you have a doctor's appointment, you show up because you're not getting another one for a year. So I made sure I showed up. And I had doctor's appointments, and others had doctor's appointments. And I had to do some other stuff, and it was crazy. And I remember I was just being, like, quick. And I can tell you, come yesterday, I was sitting there going, like, wow. I'm so tired. The Lord's like, well, you didn't spend any time with me this week. I understand. I understand the struggle. But if you want to become, if I want to become everything that God has created in me to become, I got to spend time with Jesus every day. I got to be in that presence. I have to have it. I can't make it. I don't know how you do it. I can't make it. See, because we reflect his glory. You know that? We reflect his glory. The, the old saying, it's cheesy and everything, but the people say, you may be the only Bible that anybody ever reads is so true because we reflect the glory of God. That's what it was done in the beginning. That's what God has restored and let us create man in our image. Why? To reflect the glory of God so others may see it. So spend time with him daily. But even spending time with him daily doesn't mean that it's all going to be easy. Problems will come. It's going to be hard. Jesus even told us, he said, in this world, there will be trouble. There will be trial. There will be tribulation. But thanks be to God, I've overcome the world. That there's going to be hard days and there's going to be difficult situations and circumstances. We live in a fallen, broken world. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Look at verse 2 and verse 3 in Hebrews 12 again. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to this in verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners that gives himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. There are some days you just got to duck your head and you got to just drive on. It was my favorite saying in the army, suck it up, drive on. Some days you just duck your head and you just keep moving forward. Some days it feels like I'm just going through the motions. It doesn't mean that it's any less important. You just keep moving. You keep going because problems are part of the process. Do you understand that? God uses these trials. God uses tribulation. God uses these things to shape us and mold us. If you never take a chisel to a diamond, it's just an ugly rock. You ever seen an uncut diamond? I really don't think my wife would appreciate that for an engagement ring. Like, look at this. <laughs> it's dirty and disfigured. She wouldn't want that. God sometimes needs to take a chisel to us. And I know that hurts. But the finished profit product is worth it. Remember the reward. The reward is that I will be just like Jesus. 
the Lord is that there will be a time where there's no more death, no more sin, no more sickness, no more crying, no more stupid political TV shows and people arguing over crazy stuff and false accusations and, and all kinds of stupid stuff where people are just more concerned about tearing down each other and doing all this stuff. And, and just, I'm weary of this world. I'm like, God, keep chiseling away. Keep chiseling away. The day is coming. That's, that's the reward. I tell you, after 13 miles, I know it's not much, but man, it felt good to get that. I was a little upset that they put Mickey on it too because it was Donald's race. But what? yeah, I know it's awful. It's awful. Mickey. Mick, uh, yeah. But it felt good. You know, all my running friends would say, like, it's all for the bling. And it is. It, it feels, listen, the bling we get is eternal glory. That's going to fade. Our reward never fades. Don't, don't, don't give up. Remember, this is this week. I hope you've been doing this, but each day, each week, we have a memory verse going along with it. Remember this week's memory verse, eight, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things, all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That all the harshness, all the bad stuff, everything that happens in your life, God is weaving it all together, and he's putting it all together. And at the end, you're going to sit there and go, what a beautiful masterpiece. That's amazing. And it would never look like that if the hard things didn't come. He doesn't say that everything is good. He says God's going to work it all together. And at the end, we're going to be able to sit back and say, wow, that's amazing. So don't give up. Don't give up. So not, not only that, you need to gather a team to run with. Can I tell you the loneliest thing in the world is running alone? I, I can tell you for a fact, when, when I train and stuff like that, if I you know, save up enough money to run a marathon and stuff, I, don't, I still don't understand. Why am I paying to like suffer? I don't understand. It's just a little off for me. But when I'm running alone, it's just it's horrible. And I remember this race. I didn't train very well for this race. And so about mile 10, my legs are just saying, you're an idiot. We hate you. We're going to go the opposite direction that the rest of the body wants to go. And we're never going to walk again. And I'm just sitting there. And I had a buddy next to me just going, like, all right, come on. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Because we can't run alone. It's so hard for us. Listen, we need others to run with. If you want to run fast, then run alone. If you want to run far, you got to run with others. We talked about this last week, the idea of belonging. That we all bring special traits and special gifts and special abilities all in together. And so we, we are all joined together. That's why in Hebrews, the author says this in 20 verse, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. He says this, he says, and let us watch out for one another. To provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching, get a team around you. That's going to encourage you, that's going to challenge you, that's going to push you and say, keep going, keep going. Almost home. Because you're not going to make it on your own. I'm not going to make it on our own. Nowhere in the Bible does I, do I see where someone made it on their own. And so if you want to become all that God has created you to be, 
to become just like Jesus, you got to have a team around you to keep going. Gather a team. Get accountability partners. Join a small group, whatever it takes, but put people around you that are going to speak into you. Listen, and I understand that's not always easy in this culture. I work outside of this church. I work in a group of people that they blame Jesus that they canceled Harry Potter weekend because they moved um, Rock the Universe to February. And they're like, Jesus' fault. And so I went and told that person, it's not Jesus' fault. None of the actors want to come anymore. We need more Jesus. We need less Harry Potter. She didn't like that. And so I purposely go around and try to find people. There's another guy who's a pastor that works day to day, and I guarantee you if he's working the day, I go in and say, hey, how can I pray for you today? What can you, and here's what you can pray for me as I'm going on shift. We need other people around us. We need it. It's so important. But not only that, listen, I want you to hear this too. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to know that your biggest cheerleader is God. God is cheering for you at every stage. One of the one of the greatest problems and struggles to spiritual growth is the idea of shame. I blew it. I messed up. I'm not, I'm not as far along as I need to be and, and, and everything. He knows, God knows exactly where you're at and knows exactly what needs to be done, and he is cheering you on. Don't let shame stop you. Do you understand that there's nothing in our lives that's irredeemable? There's nothing that God can't take that was bad and turn into good. There's nothing that God can't use. Don't let shame stop you. Don't sit there like, well, I should know all this stuff. I should have memorized verses already. And, oh, man, I didn't read my Bible today, so I blew it. Shame is never of God. Guilt is never of God. Those are the tools of our enemy. And he'll sit there and whisper in your ear saying, see, it wasn't that important for you. You missed two days of your devotion. Why do it now? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't tithe or offer next week, so th- don't worry about it anymore. I mean, you're out of practice. If you know how easy it is to get out of practice of going to church, it's so sad to me. We miss church, and how easy it is not to show up that next day or that next week or that next week. And it gets down to, well, I haven't been showing up. I messed up. Listen, God can redeem all of it. If you don't believe me, look at Paul. Look at Paul. Look at turn over to I'm gonna have to turn over here. Turn over to Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. Starting at verse twelve. Look at look at what Paul says about himself. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, that planted all those churches. Look at he says, out of all these things, you know, I'm pressing, I'm being conformed, and my goal is to be like Christ. And then verse twelve, he says, Not that I've already reached the goal, or I'm already perfect. But I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward what is ahead, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul saying, I'm not perfect when he wrote this. He was in prison when he wrote this. He had finished most of his letters when he wrote this. He's like, listen, I'm not there yet. I still struggle. I still have problems and I mess up and I lose my temper and I do all these things. But what I do is I forget what's behind and I keep reaching forward. 
God is the one cheering you. What I love about that passage in Hebrews about the picture of running a race, it's almost like this. Jesus is at the start line. We make that decision, and Jesus is there like, all right, you ready? Marathon's about to begin. You ready? He shoots the gun, and we take off. And all of a sudden, we look aside, and there's Jesus right with us going like, keep going, keep going, keep going. I've got other people to surround you. Keep going, keep going. And the very best part is at the finish line, Jesus is standing right there saying, I knew you could do it. God is cheering you at every stage. Don't let something that you did in the past keep you from moving to the future. When we confess our sins, he forgives them, he forgets them. And we can move forward. God is cheering for us at every stage. Don't let shame stop you. Two more. Don't waste a step. Don't waste a step with what you're doing. Do everything with purpose. Man, if you are part of something that has no eternal value, with you, why do it? If it's not helping in your spiritual growth, why do it? Like if you're coming to this church and you're not growing, you're not being challenged, and you don't feel like you're growing, then I, I'm going to ask you very kindly, please find another church. Find a place where you're going to grow. Don't waste a step. Every step should be on purpose. Every step should be done. That's what 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and 26. Paul writes this. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one being the air. Paul's saying everything I do has purpose. I have devotions and I study and I pray because it has purpose. I'm part of the small group because it has purpose in my life. I go to church because I'm being challenged and, and I can grow and I'm using my gifts. I go here and they all have purpose. I don't just kind of run around. We live in a culture that's all about feelings. It's all about how I feel. And so there's emotional highs and emotional lows. And, and the problem is with that is when I'm emotionally low and I'm like, oh, well, I don't feel like it. And that's not really any good and stuff. I shouldn't do it. There are days when it doesn't feel good to be a pastor. I don't feel like it. But there's a purpose behind it, and so I keep pressing forward. And so everything I do, everything I plan for this church, I pray through. When when prayed about this whole series, I said, okay, God, there's some things that need to happen in our church. We need small groups, and man, we need to get back on purpose and, and stop just kind of surviving and start thriving and everything, and I think this, there was a reason behind it. There's purpose. Take a step, but do it on purpose. This is why I have a huge issue with people that kind of church shop, and they just bounce around. To church, to church, to church, and church. Because I believe God has called each of us to a certain place, to a local body where we can serve and do and move and do all that God wants to do for his glory. We can't do that when we're just kind of randomly going around doing whatever. Listen, if you don't think God is a God of order, tonight go out, look up in the sky, and see how every star and every planet and everything is placed in the perfect position <laughs> so that everything works. God is a God of order, and I think he wants that for us, too. So don't, don't just make random choices. And also, listen, stay on the straight path. We are a culture of shortcuts. We, we are a culture of, of like, 
well, maybe if I just like swing over here. And so if you ever been on a long trip and someone tells you like, oh, you should take this shortcut and it actually takes you like four more hours than it took you to if you would have just stayed on the right path. We get distracted and we do it. Don't take shortcuts. This is a process. You've got to keep growing with it. Do it on purpose. Listen, Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but heal instead. Every time we take a shortcut in our faith, I guarantee you it's going to cause pain. And by the way, every single one of us that live a life of faith that are running this race, we run with a limp. All of us. There's something that's broken. There's something that's been hurt. And we have a limp. It is by the grace of God that we keep moving. If you struggle in an area, I promise you there's someone else that struggles in that area. We all have places. And so all the more we should be spending time with Jesus, all the more we should be growing more like him so that we can overcome, so that we are not ruled by our weakness, but we're ruled by God's spirit, and we overcome all that. I believe we live in a culture that just makes excuses all the time. This happened because that person or this thing happened, and it's always somebody else's fault. And sometimes it is somebody else's fault, and sometimes it's us just making an excuse. We made a wrong decision sometime. Can I just tell you? A bad left turn, all it takes is a good right turn <laughs> to get right back on it. Stay on the path. Keep it straight. Take every step with purpose. And then finally, know this, that God will finish what we don't. God will finish what we don't. Here's the promise. In Philippians 1.6, Paul writes this. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What God started in you, what God started in me, what God started in this church or every church or all over the world, whatever God started, I promise you, he's going to finish. There is a day that if this morning you are a follower of Christ, there is a day that you will look and be conformed exactly to the image of Christ, whether you want to or not, because God is going to keep his word and he's going to finish what he started in us. There's a day he's going to draw all of us and we will all be in glory and we will all stand there and we'll sit there and go like, how, how did this happen? <laughs> he will finish what he started. Isn't that nice to know? Isn't it nice to know that all I have to do is be obedient, to keep moving forward, to keep doing my very best, and that whatever I do, God's going to finish what he started in me. It's not up to you. God does the work. That's the best news of all. We are called to become just like Jesus. Listen, you may struggle. You may have stumbled. You may have been sidelined. Can I tell you, like every one of us have at some time. We've all struggled. We've all stumbled. We've probably been sidelined at some time. It happens. It's the old boxing saying. It's not how, how, how well you can take a punch, but how well you can get up after you've been knocked down. I encourage you, just keep 
moving. Your race is not over. If you're breathing this morning, everyone's breathing, right? <laughs> Anyone not breathing? Because I know CPR, I have my card. If you're breathing, your race isn't over. I was reminded this week, you know, as a pastor of a church that says, man, I want to see the church grow and see hundreds of people. And man, that'd be awesome and everything. And God just reminded me, as long as there are two or more, you're not done. You're not done. You're not done. The race isn't over. We keep pressing forward. I love it. Watchman Nee, the great missionary to China and everything, he says, outside of Christ, I am weak. In Christ, I am strong. Outside of Christ, I cannot. In Christ, I am more than able. Outside of Christ, I have been defeated. In Christ, I am already victorious. How meaningful are the words in Christ? Everything that God has called us to be, called you to be, you can become in Christ. If we will just simplify our lives, if we will just take take account of what's going on, if we will spend time with Jesus every day, if we will get a team around us, if we will keep pressing forward even when it's hard and not give up, if we understand that God is cheering for us and that, that I can keep moving, that God's going to finish what he started, if I grab all that and I understand it and take it to heart, I will become everything that God had created me to be in the first place. The goal of this, the goal of this life of faith is not for you to go to heaven. It is to become who we were always supposed to be in the image of Christ. Heaven's just a, an extra thing. We are called to become. And I believe here at this church, here at Grace Baptist, here's a place where you can be loved. Here's a place that you can belong, and it's a place that you can become. It's one of the reasons I keep pushing small groups and saying, because I think you experience that even more in like a small group atmosphere. And, and we'll, we'll see that kind of bubble out from that and everything. But I think we have a church where you can do all of that. And I am so grateful and so blessed and so humbled to be the pastor of this church. Because it has nothing to do with what I do. Any plans I make, any sermons I preach, it has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with what God is doing here. I just want you to know it's never too late. It's never too late. If you feel like, you, I mean, I'm sidelined right now. There are things going on. It's never too late to get back on that road and keep pressing on. There's something worth so much more than this waiting for us on the other side. It's a marathon. Let's finish the race. This morning I just pray and I hope that we start running hard. And that people outside look and see like, and there's a bunch of people that look like that Jesus I heard about over there.